Welcome back, guys. It's Mountain Meditations. So this is episode 11. We're in season two. Um, We've been doing the Versus series this season where we're uh, pitting two ideas or entities against each other. What are we talking about today, Tristan? We're talking about sports. Uh, Yay. The U.S. women's national team made a big splash winning the Women's World Cup. And Mm -hmm. we missed the clickbait mark by a few weeks, but we're still going for it. Yeah, Uh, we're coming back. So there's there's a lot to be said about men's sports versus women's sports. Then you got transgender people entering sports, etc. And mm-hmm. as experts, we are the only people qualified to talk about that. That's I us, yeah. am a washed up athlete. I used to play soccer, and then I destroyed my hips and my knees, and my ankles. Chris, you play tennis? Yeah. Yeah, I I played tennis in high school, and I was okay. I, I was decent. But uh, nothing to write home about. Chris was talking. You were talking about like you played in a specific way that made people mad. Do you want to tell them about that? Oh yeah, yeah. So so for those of you who play tennis, um, I was a pusher, and what <laughs> what pushers are is is uh, they basically annoy their opponent opponent to death by just hitting the ball back, and you're really good at getting the ball back. You're not putting much pace on it. You're not really um, you're not you're not going for any winners. You're just keeping consistent, um, and you're it's it's a style that most people hate. It's sort of like playing um, Jigglypuff in Smash Bros. So I would just because I I was a skinny kid and I wasn't going to have any power, so I knew I would have to just just get it back, you know. So I was thinking you know, we're actually going to talk about our uh, individual sports a little bit. I was going to talk about tennis some um, in terms of you know men versus women. And I was going to go ahead and uh, start this by saying the point of this podcast is not to say that men are better than women. For me, at least. It might be for Tristan. I don't know. But what we're trying to do is just bring our, some of our ideas forward and uh, talk about, you know, with the whole equal pay thing that, that's going on or that was going on. I don't know if anyone's talking about that anymore. I think we missed, like Tristan said, we missed the clickbait mark yeah. there. But um so I was going to start by talking, when we're talking about tennis, I was going to start talking about John McEnroe because some, I don't know if some of you remember this, I think it was in like 2018, I don't know, it was a little while ago, but um, so John McEnroe is a famous tennis player from the 80s, some of you, probably, you know, he was number one at some point, now he's a prominent commentator for both men and women's tennis, and he got put on blast for a comment he made uh, that was actually a compliment towards Serena Williams, but got sort of twisted into <laughs> an insult because he said his statement was Serena Williams is um, one of the best or is the greatest female tennis player of all time. Yeah, and I that's think a, I saw that. Actually. That's a yeah, yeah. That's a big. That's a bold statement. Yeah. But he's probably correct there. To be fair, because you know women's tennis has evolved a lot. Um, it it was once, you know, it's it was once a sort of graceful, um, kind of a soft hitting sport. You know, it was basically like the way I played. You know, getting the ball back over. That's the way it used to be. Um, you know, compared to the Billie Jean, Jean Kings and um, Chris Everts of the past, Serena Williams is a monster and would 
totally rock all of them. And just her like power, her aggressiveness, everything. Yeah, she's a very, very good athlete. Um, So he was right. He was correct in saying that. But people were like, well, why'd you specify female? And so then it got into this whole thing where it was like, oh, well. And he he uh, later had to clarify. So he the reason he made the distinction is because, in his opinion, uh, Serena Williams would be number 700 in the men's circuit if she tried. So he got some flack for that because everyone was, you know, oh, men versus women. And it started this whole stupid thing. His point afterwards, he got a couple of interviews afterwards, and his, his point afterwards was like, why are we even talking about this? Like, I don't want to talk about this. No one cares. It's like, you know, these are two individual things. Women's tennis and men's tennis are actually very different. Um, yeah. And there's no reason to compare them. There's no, you know. And we know already, uh, you know, Serena herself once admitted that she'd be hard-pressed to even get a point off of Andy Murray, um, which was said in, a, like, a respectful kind of joking manner, obviously, but, you know, there is a lot of truth there that, that she's willing to admit herself. And Chris Everett, I mentioned before, um, once admitted that she couldn't even beat her brother, Drew, who was actually a college tennis player. And Chris Everett was once number one in women's uh, tennis. So, you know, Andy Murray, Djokovic, Nadal, and most of all, Federer, these are some of the greatest athletes. You know, they're fast, they're explosive, they're consistent, they have endurance. Like, sure, Serena could compete mentally, but, you know, not not physically um, not with these guys. Yeah. So like, were you going to say something? No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about like, just touch lightly on the physical parts of tennis. And we could go into a whole thing about like why certain things work the way that they do. But I was just going to touch on like the, a serve, for example, how the ball gets into play. Um, you know, uh, serve, uh, serving speed is based a lot on your height. Um, no, it's not the deciding factor in whether you're going to be good at serving or not. Um, but so like no woman has ever hit a recorded serve over 137 miles per hour as of today, at least. And like, that's still a really good serve. And the, the, uh, woman who holds the record, her name is Georgina Perez and she is six, two. And you're not going to see many women walking around who are 6'2". I can count maybe on my on one hand the women I've met that are over six feet tall. So it's it's a there's a big height advantage there that men are going to have because on average men in the United States are five. The average height is five nine. Uh, women the average height is five four. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of old people in there. I would say you know it's it's around that for most. I, I would say men like college age men, probably more like 5'10 or something like that. But, um, and like John Isner, for example, one of the best servers of all time, his height is, you know, six foot 10. You know, you can see what I'm getting at here. Like no being tall doesn't make you good at serving, (laughs) but it's a, you definitely have an advantage by being taller and being stronger. You know, you're creating force down on the ball, you're building momentum through the arch, you know, and it's easier to clear the net. So, so, um, so I'm six I don't feet think, tall. That means I'm sick, right? I mean, that's actually that's like at the the shorter end in terms of professional tennis. Like that's wow. probably wow. the average. Shit. Yeah, because like. Oh no. 
I think they stay yeah. in sock where all the manlets are. <laughs> yeah, there aren't many manlets in uh, in tennis. But um, so, side note, like when we're talking about the pay argument specifically, talking about physical prowess and talking about being better than each other doesn't really provide any sort of solution. And what I mean by that is people are going to enjoy watching competitors at the peak of their skill level and being good is relative to your category. So like entertainment is always going to be relative to how entertaining something is, not how, you know, if they are the absolute best at what they do. You know, there is greatness and entertainment at every single level. Just like I prefer watching college basketball more than I prefer watching the pros, you know. And as uh, you know, a lot of people do. A lot of people would agree with me on that. I enjoy listening to Radiohead, but uh, Tom <laughs> York is nowhere near the best singer of all time. Let's you know, and like it, there are a lot of things like that. I enjoy watching Godzilla movies. Do do Godzilla movies have the best acting? No, the acting is lackluster at best. So I enjoy watching. You know, here's another thing. I enjoy watching fighting and weightlifting at lower weight classes, despite the fact that. You know, the people in the higher weight classes could rock them and could lift tons more weight than them. But it's like, that's the competitive, it's, it's relative to their weight class or their gender, their category. And so, you know, one of my favorite, like going back to music, one of my favorite bands, sorry I'm ranting Tristan, but I'll be done. No, go second. ahead. I'm uh, one do of it. my favorite I'm bands, do Don't worry. okay, is Animals as Leaders. Uh, his, they have an amazing guitarist named Tosin Abasi. Some of you might have heard of him. He's just incredible. And so, like, in terms of t technicality, he um, he would he just destroys um, people like Bruno Mars, uh, you know, Lil Pump, people like that. <laughs> so, like, you look at artists in that manner, then you would say, oh, well, Tosin Abasi deserves to make more money than. Um, Lil Pump because he's a technically better musician and it doesn't work that way because like entertainment is all about filling seats it's all about who likes what you do so if you're if what you do doesn't appeal to as many people then it's just not going to right yeah you know fill the seats so um, yeah and 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 in terms of like women's tennis to, to finish I would say that as like right now, as of lately, um, the the rivalries haven't been as interesting as the you know men's tennis. We've had a good like Nadal, Djokovic, um, you know Federer kind of competition going on. You want recognizable faces, you know. It's like melee. It's like when the five gods were were doing really well. That was a very you know it was a very fun time to be in because anyone could win versus a time when it's just hungry box winning every tournament kind of thing it's just going to be less entertaining and that's you know understanding gotcha understandable all right so let's talk about women's soccer and let's talk specifically yeah. about the women's national team now everybody got into well, a lot of people got into it I, I read a lot of stuff about this about the payment disparities between the women's national team and the men's national team and we're just right. going to breeze right through that as quick as we can because it's pretty cut and dry as far as the numbers go. The most commonly cited numbers was that the men made 9% of four, of about $4 billion, which was the uh, revenue of the World Cup, the men's World Cup, and the women mm. made 13% of somewhere in the, somewhere south of 200, or somewhere north of 200 million, excuse me. I think it was 250 million. Not exactly mm -hmm. sure. 
But so they were making a higher. The, that was the big thing. They're making a higher percentage of a lower cut. But that's not all there is to it. Uh, this is an article from the Daily Wire. Pretty recently, actually, the president, <coughs> excuse me, the USSF president, Carlos Cordero, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, wrote an open letter explaining that he directed U.S. soccer staff to conduct an extensive analysis of the past 10 years of U.S. soccer's financials. Uh, it was reviewed by an independent accounting firm. Let's see. Uh, for example, the women's team has a guaranteed salary thanks to their collective bargaining agreement with the USSF. They receive a base hmm. salary of $100,000 each year and an additional salary of $67,500 to $72,500 for playing in the National Women's Soccer League. Male soccer nice. players do not have such an agreement, not for any kind hmm. of sex-based reasoning, but because they did not come to that agreement. The women decided they wanted the base pay. The men did not. Their reasoning for that could be anything. Uh, another big thing is the benefits. Uh, the agreement meant that women soccer players earned a guaranteed salary of 167500 272500 and they got paid bonuses. The men's team only earned bonuses. Those bonuses were way bigger because the World Cup is probably the most watched televised program in the entire world. Everybody's into it. Even America, when it happens, everybody gets into it. I went to Buffalo Wildlings a lot with my old soccer teams in high school and club soccer, and we'd watch the club soccer team. And when and when the U.S. did good, the house blew, the roof blew off. It was great. Everybody <laughs> loved it. And when they really got into it, Americans showed up for men's soccer, and we showed up for women's for women's soccer. For a lot of the yeah. women's World Cup, uh, the U.S. was really leading the way on ratings, and we're really leading the way for uh, going to games for women's soccer, You're buying t buying jerseys, and all that other stuff. Uh, the women's team uh, also receives benefits, including a 401k plan and health insurance uh, and maternity leave. Women get maternity leaves. Wow, Men don't nice. for obvious reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, maternity leave is dope. We should definitely have that. And uh, mm -hmm. the USF points out <laughs> that the hypothetical per game comparison making the media rounds is not plausible. Neither the men's team nor the women's team have ever played 20 friendly matches in a year. This is this is what the hypothetical scenario is played on. Uh, and a quote from USSF that said, if the men and women ever did play in and win 20 friendlies in a year and were paid the average bonus amount, a women's player would earn more from a U.S. soccer than a men's player. The women's player would earn at least $307,500. And the men's player would earn 263333 game bonuses early. Now... While we're on the topic of... So, you can, you can tell, right? The math here is pretty cut and dry. Women's yep. teams aren't making as much as men's teams. And I'm not right. particularly happy about that. Our women's team is really good. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people... And I'll get that to that in a second. Played soccer for a long team for a long time. For 13 years. Yeah, 13 years. I mm -hmm. played soccer. And they're damn good. Especially Megan Rapino. I might not agree with her on politics, but she's damn good. Uh, and we're going to talk about friendlies. Now, friendlies, you may have heard this from when we talked about Melee. Friendlies are just games. Friendlies are scrimmages, as they're often called in soccer. I should probably right. use the correct terminology since I, I actually did play the game for 13 years. So scrimmages. <laughs> There's one of the most commonly cited things that I saw was that the women's team lost to a U15 team, I believe, in Texas. Now, this could be a, a significant event if there was context. I saw everybody talk about this. Ben Shapiro talked about it with Lauren Ducca. 
Dennis Prager, Michael Knowles, they all talked about it. Matt Walsh, all, all the Daily Wire gang. I'm reading a Daily Wire article right now. Uh, everybody talked about it, and they always said it's a price point, but it lacks context. For example, I'll use Melee because we talk about Melee a lot, and it'll be easier for Chris to understand. What I'm playing... <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I don't, I'm not taking shots, I promise. When I'm playing <laughs> I'm friendlies in Melee, I'm not always trying to win. Sometimes I'm just trying to see what works. If I'm playing against a Jigglypuff, for example, I'm thinking maybe I can parry Wave Dash with Yoshi into a Down Smash and get some early stocks. So I might do that a lot, rather than good options that I know might work better, and I might lose some games because of it. And, I, you know, in a scrimmage or a friendly, you're not always trying to win. Sometimes you're trying to test things out. You're trying to see how these things work. And there's right. there's a lot, there's more to it other than that. We also have the idea of subs, bench warmers, and injuries. I'd like to see, if we really want to like get into the context of it, let's see the lineups. Did the U15 team boys, were they an elite team? Were they a challenge, premier, classic level? That makes a difference. Were they an academy? What about the U.S. women's team? Did they put in their subs? Maybe maybe some of their bigger players were injured or just couldn't make it and they wanted to rest. You know, they might not have they might have beaten the women's national team subs. I don't know. Maybe those boys really are hitters and maybe they really did beat the women's national team. And I think that context is important and I don't see many people mm-hmm. talking about that. Yeah. Next thing like I you talk said about in that. comparing it to melee, it's like there there are people in melee who lose friendlies all the time that are not significant and like like yeah. you said it's all about context it's a like scrimmage. and and yeah Relax. because this was another thing i looked up which was the under the battle of the sexes for tennis uh novak djokovic actually did a um a sort of exhibition set against Lee Na, and he literally like he was joking around the whole time he at one po- at one point he like swapped places with a ball boy nice. and like handed him the racket and then she also got a 30-0 advantage starting every single game and then she she won so it's like nice. context is important yeah. there is Lee Na better than Novak Djokovic no so Relax. that's what Tristan's <laughs> saying here yeah. context is important it's a scrimmage like if you really want to go for it, put a U15 team in a real game versus the women's soccer team. And then we can have that discussion. And until then, let's just kind of leave that out. It's just not like a good point to use. And that actually leads mm-hmm. really well into my next thing. When I played for club, I played for a club called South Carolina United. I was never very good for a really long time. But sometimes we would play girls teams for, who were also on South Carolina United. And we would the, the girls teams would, also, would usually be a couple years older than us. And of a higher level. There was Crescent Palmetto Elite. I usually hovered around Crescent Palmetto. Sometimes we play Palmetto Elite uh, girls teams. Now, we would almost always beat the girls. But we'd always do it in a similar way. They were older than us and usually very technically skilled, had sound fundamentals on the game. And we were good too, but we didn't have to be. We could just kind of run them down. We always had really good games for about 20 to 30 minutes. But because, mm-hmm. you know, there are biological differences between men and women, I could notice yeah. that maybe a defender, uh, I, I always play defense, maybe uh, a striker could keep pace with me for a half, but once it got into the second half, I could just start running them down. I could just start pushing, mm-hmm. I could just start shoving them off the ball. I usually had like, I was, if you're a center back in uh, soccer and you started playing when you were young and you were always a center back like me, it usually means uh, a pretty, it's a pretty common thing goalies and defenders are usually the bigger kids 
And so they can get the head on the ball a little easier. They're a little taller. They can see over the strikers. And the midfielders and the strikers are usually a little shorter, a little faster, a little agile little people. They're like little cockroaches. And I stepped on them like they were cockroaches because I was sick. Um, not, not the women. I, I didn't step on women. Chill. So after a point, you know, it just, I was just able, I always had like 20, 30 pounds on them. I always had four or five inches of height on them. It was just right. easy to just push them off the ball and take control of the game. If they tried to push me off, I could just push back. And they were good sports about it. Soccer is a full contact sport. The women knew what they were mm -hmm. up against. They were. I never had like a bad experience playing them. They're good practice because it was a good way to practice for fundamentals. Yet you can, on every men's team, there's one guy that's big and strong and fast. And he runs the ball down every time. And he just tries to break through the back line rather than kind of maneuver the ball through the back line. That didn't happen as often on the girls' teams. It was a really good help to like see how they move the ball because they were a lot of it was like the conservation of energy. At least I think mm. I couldn't tell you uh, for sure, but it seemed like they were trying to move the ball more than themselves. That was good to play against. And the other thing were throw-ins. A lot of people who played soccer might know the ball goes out of bounds. You put it behind your head, you throw it in. Men have higher upper body strength. We have much stronger triceps. And you can see this in professional women's versus professional men's sports. For a lot of my teams, we had people who would, we had designated people who would do throw-ins because they could just chuck the ball so far. Women didn't have people. When we played against the women, we knew we could choke in on throw-ins because they couldn't get it as far. And being the fact that we're taller and stronger, if they try to put it their teammates, we had a good shot of just taking control of the ball right there. So if I was a defender and I was in trouble, I just rail the ball out of bounds and say, all right, let's do a throw-in. It wasn't really a mm -hmm. good way to play. It was kind of gimmicky, to be honest. And that comes down to meta, the meta of the game. Men and women's soccer has an entirely different meta. A lot of men's soccer kind of, what I've noticed a lot of men's soccer is that there's a big emphasis on the star. There's always the star and the guy and the mover. There's like Andreas Iniesta, one of the greatest soccer players to ever live. My favorite player, personally. He is a center midfielder, and the way he just moved the ball so delicately and so directly was amazing. You can see a lot of videos of people doing all this crazy stuff, this super fancy footwork in and out, out, back and forth, all this other stuff. And he never did that. Touch, touch, pass. Touch, touch, pass. He was always just really direct with it and just gracefully, gracefully moved the ball. It was a lot of tiki-taka, which is a word that's used to describe Spain's national, Spain's national team's uh, play style, which is they pass the ball a lot and they retain possession. And that's not... Uh, a meta that's working out well for Spain right now. They haven't done super well the past couple World Cups. Unfortunately, mm. I'm upset about that. Mm. And we see uh, uh, countries like Germany and France that's just really having some powerful people run the ball down. Germ I don't know what they do in Germany for strength and conditioning, but it's working because they just, mm -hmm. they're so good at just gassing their opponents. And women's teams, yeah. they, they focus more on the tiki-taka. There's a lot more passing there's a lot more movement. There's a lot. There's a, about as much crossing, but there's a lot less long passing from like an outside back to an opposite winger. I see less of that, and I see more funneling the ball through the center of the field and then spreading it the ball back out to the sides when you uh, when they uh, cross into their opponent's half. In the men's mm -hmm. soccer, I see a lot of center midfielders. Uh, you know, center midfielders are really. It's a really really popular position. Center midfield, it's like, it's the guy, that, it's the center midfielders and the strikers. They get all the glory. They score the goals. They make the plays. They're so cool. They're so good. 
hated those guys. I was never good enough to be one. <laughs> so, and they always, they move the ball around and they try to take it directly at the center backs and just try to put pressure on the defense as much as possible. And the prevailing mm-hmm. idea is, look, if the ball's in our half, they probably can't score on us. So we're going to put some damn good center midfielders in their half and just keep the ball on, keep the pressure on them. It's an entirely yeah. different meta. And the last mm-hmm. thing I want to talk about with regards to the, to the women's national team is their their reception. I was pretty disappointed in the reception, the way people received uh, the women's national team. I'm not going to say it's due to sexism. I think that most people are just fat and lazy and can't handle people being better athletes. Um, <laughs> because a lot of people, I heard, I saw this a lot. Megan Rapino, the star, you probably know her. She kissed her girl yeah. right after she won the cup. That was sick. Right. I do the same mm-hmm. thing if I wasn't alone and good at if and if I was good at soccer. <laughs> Megan Rapino, she's so arrogant. She's so cocky, and she is. And that's the best part. She is arrogant and cocky, and that's sick. That's so dope. <laughs> if for some reason she sees this, yes, girl, work it. Good. I love it. She's American, and she's sick. If you're American, you are better than every other country. That's just a damn fact. And we should that's act fair. like it, too. There's no reason to think other there's no reason to let other countries think that they're as good as us. They're not. They're beneath us and we're better than them because we're American. I'm glad Megan thinks that way. <laughs> and I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad she's arrogant. I'm glad who was that girl? I can't remember if it was Megan Rapino or somebody else. But she started drinking tea when she scored on the British. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Dump it in the harbor or something. That would be so dope. And I saw a lot of I saw this one article in particular from Dennis Prager. He said, I wanted to like the women's national team, and I just couldn't. Bullshit, Dennis. Dennis Prager didn't want to like the <laughs> national team. He doesn't like soccer because he's too much of a fat, lazy piece of shit to be good at anything. He never played sports a day in his damn life. He's just... And <laughs> Michael Knowles is just some Sicilian pretty boy. Me and Chris were talking about this. In gym class, Michael Knowles was definitely that like skinny little manlet that was always trying to talk to the girls in gym class, and they were just not with it. And Dennis Prager was the fat kid that wouldn't take his shirt off at the pool. I, I don't take sports. I don't take advice about sports from fat people seriously. The only exception is if yeah. they're like retired professionals, but that's pretty rare. I was Look. thinking that the the most people the the people who are going to be hating on these kind of sports the most are the ones who are sitting on the couch at home exactly. and who are just hipsters like they just they like Tristan said they don't want to admit that people are good at things yeah you know because they and suck they just can't face it you know Michael it's like, Knowles cheer Michael, for the Americans Come Michael on. Knowles became a bestseller not writing a book you can't even do that right. You gimmicked your way into a bestseller list. Congratulations. Yeah, you made a good gag gift, bro. Now let somebody like Thomas Sowell do the actual intellectual heavy lifting. Um. And it, I, when Whoa. I say heavy lifting, I don't mean picking up Dennis Prager. It's a totally different thing. <laughs> all right, am I still ranting? Yeah, I'm still ranting. So fuck you all. The women's national team is sick. Now, here's the, the other side of the coin from the reception is that a lot of people are comparing them to the men's national team. You need to stop. That's putting a completely unfair standard onto the yeah. women's national team. It's a different, yeah. like I said, it's a different meta. Same game, mm-hmm. different meta. They've got different qualities to them. They're better and worse at certain things. And that's fine. Would they beat the men's national team head-to-head? No. Mm. I would say probably, but no, they won't. But who cares? That's fine. 
They won Nobody the women's. <laughs> they won the women's World Cup, and the men. They always do. They do well in the men's World Cup. I'm tired of people shitting on them. A lot of people will reference uh, the men drowning in pools in one of the most recent World Cups. Uh, the World Cup after Spain won. Spain won the World Cup in South Africa. And the next one, they drown in pools. A mm. lot of teams drown in pools in the World Cup. It's the it's one of the most fierce competitions in the world. It's right up there with the Super Bowl. It's the best of the best of the best soccer players that this world has to offer trying to beat each other. Sometimes they're not mm -hmm. going to do well. That's fine. And I want you to remember that if the women's team doesn't do so hot next year. I don't want mm -hmm. I don't want to see people shitting on the women's team because they don't do well in one World Cup. One women's World Cup. They always do pretty well. They always get to like the top eight. Top four, I think. They always get to like the top four. And if they don't do so hot next next time, that's fine. You can't be that hitter. You're not nobody's that one hundred percent. You know, someday Megan Rapino is gonna have to retire. She's not always gonna be able to play soccer. It's hell yeah. on your body, trust me. I almost had to have uh, a hip replacement, uh, ankle and knee surgery from playing not professional soccer. You know, it's being a professional athlete mm -hmm. is rough, and she can't do it forever. I don't know how old she is. I don't care. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta just relax a little bit. Just because the women's soccer team isn't making as much money, they're making a lot. Look. Bare minimum, they're making like what one hundred sixty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. They're making a good living playing a game. I would be a professional player for free, dude. Playing soccer was so much fun, and it impacted my life in such a positive way. I'm honestly just proud of them. They're playing this this great, beautiful, amazing game that's soccer, and they're doing it so well, and they're getting paid to do it, and they're inspiring other uh, other young girls across the world. When I was growing up. I watched Barcelona play. My dad was born there. I watched Ronaldo play. Uh, Lionel Messi was just coming into his own. He was becoming the best player in the world. And that was sick. And I hope that there's a lot of little girls in the United States that can look at the women's national team and think, hell yeah. Let's go, sister. Let's, <laughs> let's, go, to, let's go to Europe and just fuck their shit up. Fuck yeah. <laughs> let's all just... So such an inspiring yeah, speech. Let's all Thank just hop on trend and leave this world behind. It's what Rich Piana <laughs> would have wanted. What? Yeah, I was going to talk about the... Another thing I was going to talk about is... Well, I was going to go back to what you were saying about the meta and like the differences between yeah. the two. And that, that is what you find is that while, while a lot of men can sort of bully their way through things... Uh, just through like pure strength. Yeah. Um, a lot of women are going to have to use, you know, different means to get there, and it it, it does help to start thinking that way as well. Which is why, like, what I was talking about with my my thing of like being a pusher in tennis, because it is the thing I love about tennis is that a lot of times, once you get to a certain level, you can't really be bullied, because as long as you're good at getting the ball back. It doesn't matter how hard they can hit it at you. John Isner um, can hit a 160-something mile-per-hour serve, and Roger Federer doesn't care. You know, he still beats him. Yeah. So it it's just, it all, you at one point, you can no longer bully your way through something. And that's what I love about uh, tennis especially is because it's less of a, you know, it's not a contact sport. It's not something where someone can just hit you and just push you out of the way. Exactly. That's what I love about it is it's two people facing against each other and now we're equal. You know, it doesn't matter how big you are. Hell so, yeah. So, yeah. And that was, um, 
So, and also the structure of, in, in terms of tennis, the structure of the game is different because women, I don't know if a lot of people know this or have noticed this, but uh, women actually play uh, best of three uh, in terms of sets. So for yeah, every match, best of five? they play best of five, yes. Okay. So it's a very that. different game. You, you, you know, Tristan, as a melee player, do, you can... What stages do they um, ban? Because <laughs> if, you if you don't ban this. Stadium, you're a bitch. Pokemon Stadium <laughs> is a terrible stage. It shouldn't be allowed. Free Stadium. You can corroborate this, that, um, that a, it's yeah. a very different game to play you know, best of five versus, you know, even mentally, not yeah. even just physically, even playing in video games, you know, it's a mentally strenuous activity. Even you're, you're just sitting there yeah, that's, and you're like, wow, I'm tired. There's like actually, that was a lot to go through. There's two quick things I can say, like best of threes are more directly mentally stressful because you lose one game in a best of three. It's like, oh man, yeah. I'm four stocks. Yeah. I'm four stocks away from like being in losers, being out of this tournament. You lose a right. game of best of five, it's like, oh, I can go to whatever stage I want. I've got another chance. Mm. I've got plenty of time. But it's so like uh, best of three sets are more mentally stressful. But yeah. best of five sets are more mentally strenuous. If you get into right. a long best of five set or even just a long best of five game, if you're playing against it's two campy players, campy floaty players, excuse me, playing against each other, there's not approaching. Game's going to like six, seven minutes. And then you lose by the mm -hmm. wire. It's like, oh man, I got like yeah. three more games of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> if I want to win, if I want to win as fast as possible, I got three more games of that long ass game. And then he gets right. his counter pick. So like, best of three, it's like, it's stressful. You're just, you're kind of nervous. It's like I have to, I really have to shape up right now. But best of five, it's like I've got this extra time, but all that extra time is just sapping your your strength away. It's rough. Yeah. But we find that it's a lot more um, volatile. Exa for sense. example, yeah. with Evo, you know, I can relate this to video games. <laughs> with Evo... Um, or athletes, by the way. Yes, <laughs> eSports athletes. Uh, you, can, you can just see that, like, there is a difference in the placings in Evo versus other tournaments where, for those who don't know, Evo uh, for Melee is... Well, when Melee is there, is... Um, usually a best of three all the way through until like what grand finals right yeah i think yeah. just winners so, losers grand finals maybe okay so it's and most tournaments um would start at top eight for best of five yeah so it's like it's a very different tournament that you see and so that's the same thing with like you know the men versus women in tennis it's like it's much easier to lose to someone who can Bill, who can just have that momentum in the first two yeah. game or two sets and just take you out. You have to you and, have to be able to think quicker and adapt faster right. to your opponent in a best of three. Yeah, set. best of five, you got exactly. more time. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I wanted to add. That actually about, sounds um, super sports. rough. Yeah. Do they yeah, do they only play best of three, or do they get to like best of five at some point in the tournament? No, there's there's never any best of five. Damn. Um, it is a because we played best of three in high school. We uh, never right. went up to best of five. Um, and like, well, I did occasionally play set, you know, games like that, but it's, it's actually, it's not awful. It is just like, if someone does have a lot of momentum, there's not really a chance for you to like build back on it. You're, there's not really a comeback coming, you know, like you get into the second set and you're like, you said, it's like, okay, we're almost done already. 
you know, I only have, if he just gets six more games, like I'm out kind of thing. So it's not, you're not in it for the long haul. There's not really much endurance there. And so it's better for the more like explosive players who are just there to like take you out immediately kind of thing. So yeah, it is pretty stressful, but yeah. The other um, thing I noticed, uh, there's one thing I want to talk about. Uh, A big thing in the difference between tennis and soccer is that soccer is a team game and tennis is an individual game. It's just 1v1 versus 11 versus 11, barring the red cards. There's one thing that I noticed in the difference between men and women's soccer at a couple of different levels. In men's soccer, from like you, for both men and women's soccer, for like the really young kids, the four or five year olds that are just there to play with their friends after school, uh, mm-hmm. possession and scoring doesn't really matter. The kids aren't trying that hard to win anyway, usually, right. unless they're <laughs> unless they're already really good. They're generally, mm-hmm. or they're just really competitive, and people just go there and have fun. A lot of times they have co-ed yeah. teams, and it really doesn't make much of a difference. They're four and five years old. It does not matter. And right, then yeah. when you start to get to like the club level, around middle school, the high school level, some differences begin to develop. The boys mm. that are really good become ball hogs sometimes. Yeah. And and you'll hear yeah, that, that term happened tossed in basketball around. too. They'll hear that term tossed around a lot. And generally it's never as bad as you think, especially if they really are good. If they really are good. Yeah. There's a guy um on my team, Winter, and he a lot of people called him a ball hog, but that was because we kind of let him be. He really was that good that he could make stuff happen if we gave him possession. So we yeah. would give him a... So if I had an open slot to pass him, I was doing it because I knew he would do something good with it. Uh, but there are those ball hogs It's like it's that's associated with the negative stereotype. The guy that just won't pass, he's the best ever, he'd give me the ball, going straight for their goal. And that almost never happened in women's soccer, at least as far as I could tell in any of the teams mm-hmm. that we scrimmaged against or any of the time that we watched uh, any other team, any women's team play before us. Because in high school, uh, the women would play first and then the men would play. We came in separate buses and the women's always got there first, so they would play first and then we would go after them. And we would usually, uh, we'd warm up when we watched them play and just think about the game. And I very, very rarely saw that. Almost never. And when it did happen, mm-hmm. it was similar to our situation where they would allow the girl, I can remember one girl on our high school soccer team she was very good and she wasn't a ball hog in the negative sense but the team would give her the ball a lot she was so good she could make something happen so it just kind of it it worked out Mm -hmm. so there's and then in men's soccer and women's soccer later on there's still ball hogs but it's kind of devolved into a different meta so Messi is probably one of if not the greatest players to ever to ever walk the earth at one of the greatest soccer players to ever walk the earth. And mm-hmm. a lot of times you see him clutch out a big win and you see him clutch out a big goal or take a really good free kick. And the same thing with Cristiano Ronaldo. And they, they do retain possession of the ball a lot. The team does try to give them the ball a lot, but that's only in specific circumstances. Cristiano Ronaldo is a winger. And if Real Madrid or Portugal's national team or whatever club he's on right now, uh, notices that they're not they're having trouble defending Ronaldo and he we're getting a lot of good crosses in our strikers are really getting their heads on the ball they're going to give it to Ronaldo because he's got a mm-hmm. job to do and if his job is beneficial to the team they're going to do that now Ronaldo has a reputation for being a little bit cocky I can't blame him when you're that good yeah I know right <laughs> when you're that good you you can be you have a free pass be cocky that's why Megan Rapino is so sick she really is that hitter uh Lionel Messi and Lionel Messi he's a striker when they need to like put pressure on the goal 
they want him in front of the they want him in front of the goal because he's left footed, which is unorthodox. It makes him just just that tiny bit harder to defend. It's just something that you're just not quite used to as a def- as a defender. When somebody was good on their left foot, it was just that that little edge that they had over you. You hated that. I always hated mm-hmm. that. And Lionel Messi, he's left footed. He's amazing. He's super agile, and it's like the ball is just glued to his foot. He has this amazing mm-hmm. control over the ball. For women, it kind of remains similar. It kind of remains the same as in the uh, younger ages. There's there seems to be less of that to me. There seems to be less of uh, one person leading the charge. There's mm-hmm. at least from what I've watched. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert. I'm a washed up soccer player. You don't have to take what I'm taking. You don't have to take what I'm saying that seriously. But you can because it's a good thing. So because I'm being nice. Uh, mm-hmm. men, the women's soccer team, they seem to have less people that are just designate. They're, they're more team players. It's, you know, they, they switch around a lot. They move the ball more than themselves. And they don't try to just, there isn't one woman just taking on the defense. Which, taking on the defense is really exciting to watch as a soccer player. When I see Ronaldo or Messi just going up against Varane and they're just going at it. It's such a high level. It's very fun to watch. But on a different mm-hmm. level, it's very interesting to watch the women play sometimes because they have different ideas about how they can move the ball, how they can uh, go with the system that is the rules of soccer to win the game. It's interesting. Now, the men, obviously, they're really good at passing. I'm not going to pretend like the women are just better at fundamentals, fundamentals and stuff. Men's strength and reaction times and speed does help them a lot with passing, and they can accomplish things that the women can't. And that's just the reality. It's the reality of testosterone, which is the one real true male privilege is testosterone. It it burns fat. It builds muscle, reaction times, energy. It's all testosterone is all that. And it is a real life biological male privilege. God, I hate that word, but it's it really is real. And the women, they also they have different metas for when they pass too. men like longer passes because they can get it farther Women like more direct passes. Maybe they can't. And they also have different uh, metas for their free kicks. And I'm not super great at free kicks. But what I see a lot is that there's a lot less women going for direct goals. That happens substantially less. When you see Ronaldo right outside the 18-yard box gearing up for a free kick, you know something's about to go down. That man can really curve and knuckle the ball. It's insane how he can control it, and Lionel Messi can too. He doesn't have that kind of uh, that kind of reputation that Ronaldo has, but you can't you cannot underestimate him. He'll put the ball in the upper ninety, no problem. It's wild, and I see women uh, trying to cross it a lot more, trying to put a striker in a good or a center back who's a, bit, a little bit taller, maybe. That's what I did at least, because uh, uh, free kicks and free plays. I was always a little bit taller than the other kids. Uh, and I was maybe a little bit bigger, so I could jump pretty high. So I'd always, I'd p- try to get in there on the free kicks, get in there, score a goal, gimmick out a real quick one. And you can see that a lot more with women. They have pe- they have strikers and midfielders in the box looking to scrap out and win on a free kick. And I do, I like both of them. It's hard to say that one is better because at, in this situation, you have to be very pragmatic about it. Because you could, it's it's very realistic to say, uh, either way, that like either one is better because if you have a striker or a shooter as good as Ronaldo, 
He's got a solid chance of putting the ball where it wants to go. He's practiced and worked at this so much. It might just be more worth it. And on the other side, you could say, well, you have more of your people in the box. So you have more people who are willing, who can shoot and get a shot on target. But this other, other side of that coin, it's a three-sided coin somehow, you have more defenders in the box. So there are more people who can block it. And the goalkeeper can use his hands. He, he, might, might, he might not be taller than you, but he can just put his hands up. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And you, you see that a lot in men's soccer, I think, more than women's soccer. Physicality in the goalkeepers. The goalkeeper uh, has a little bit of leniency with regard to things like uh, physicality or uh, challenges on the ball. Soccer is a full contact sport. Basically, as long as you get the ball or are making an honest challenge at the ball, you can pretty much tackle a person whatever way you want. The only things you can't do, you can't grab jerseys, you can't slide tackle from behind because that's really dangerous for your ankles, and you can't just go straight for the man. You have to be going for the ball. If you're just hitting people for the sake of hitting people, that's not allowed. But if you're going for the ball, you can hit them all you want. That was my big thing. I would just tuck my shoulder in and just bam, put my elbow, dig my elbow into their ribs and check their shoulder. You want to fight over this ball? We can fight over this ball. That's fine. I see more of that in men's soccer. I see a little more physicality. I see a little more hitting each other, especially from goalkeepers. If you watch like a good game of soccer and you see a lot of free kicks and corner kicks going in the box, you will see the goalkeepers just mow some people down. And boy, is that fun to watch. Especially when I was actually playing soccer and our goalkeeper would just rock a striker. Oh, that was good. It's like, yeah, hit him. <laughs> and that's all. That's that's a lot of what I really have to say. I really like the women's national team. I really like the men's national team. It's mm-hmm. it's a different meta. I think a lot of people just don't provide like the context for the for the differing play. I think yeah. I think that it's pretty cut and dry money wise. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Same with most sports, yeah. actually. Uh, you know, Tiger Woods obviously. Um, Honestly, like his net worth men is are, much higher than the men top are just a bunch of right now. cavemen, muscle bound brainlets, and women. Women are the fair sex, dude. They just they think about the game and they play as a team. But men, it's like I want my moment of glory. I want to hit somebody. I want to score. I'm big, strong man. That's why I always liked uh, the thing I liked about tennis was the fact that it was a solitary thing. It's like you you were responsible for your win and your loss. Yeah. So it's like you you know who to blame at the end of the day. Uh, I mostly played doubles though. Doubles was where I excelled. Um, me and my partner um, Zafer, we um, you know we made it to states at one point, but it, you know we we weren't that great. But the thing I liked about it was the fact that you and the other person can sort of play off of each, each other's strengths. Uh, Zafer was really good at, um, he was sort of a loopy hitter. He was very consistent. He would consistently knock it to the back line. He was loopy enough that he could hit it over the person at the net so that you couldn't get a quick slam okay. and um, cool. just push it to the back line. And and then I was the person at the net who was, I was in that case, I was usually the aggressor. I was, I was pretty good at the net because I have quick reactions. Um, I'm still not sure why. I don't know where that came from, but I, I am pretty quick in my reaction time. So when a ball is coming at me, I'll know exactly where to put it. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the fun part about uh, doubles. Um, All right. So, yeah, in, in terms of – and there is mixed doubles, which is kind of a cool thing where it's like both of these worlds are combined now. You know, in 
you know, men and women play against men and women. That's definitely so, something you and Amanda would do. That that would, would be, be a lot of fun. Be so so nauseating about it too. Oh <laughs> I've said this a lot. Amanda and Chris are couples goals. If your goal is to be absolutely nauseating, God, it would be so annoying. And we love it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever look through Chris's Instagram. It's just him and Amanda hugging each other and being happy just, i can't just loving stand it. each other it's i amazing. i hate it i i don't like positivity i don't like i hate this for those why, for why those can't of you just who want fight to learn, and make me happy for those of you who want to learn more about tristan's personality i would suggest go listen to the latter half of our jordan peterson podcast where he goes through <laughs> the entire test and reveals all everything about his personality that you need to know turns uh, out most i would be which, a really dangerous sociopath if i wasn't so goddamn <laughs> stupid <laughs> it's like the the, P, the test was like, okay you're fucking stupid and a total pussy but you also don't have any <laughs> compassion in your heart exactly um so uh, yeah, uh, I think we should wrap this to a close. This has been a little longer than usual. We're over our yeah. forty minute mark, but we covered a lot today. We covered you know pay gaps and you know all yeah. the all the things that you guys needed to know. We covered a lot in terms of our own respective sports. Um, thank you guys. I know you're waiting for music meditations. I had a comment about that the other day on one of the videos. Yes, it's coming out soon. Don't worry. Trying to get a new computer so I can do things faster. Um, Oh, also, that's moving to a new channel. We're still that's still yeah. in the works. Uh, both music meditations and movie meditations are going to a separate channel just to separate like the politics side from the yeah. you know the sort of entertainment. I remember thing. Chris was so funny about this. He's like, I don't want to have like a nice wholesome music review next to fuck liberals. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I could just picture like subscribing to something be like wow this guy does really good music or movie analysis and then like you know you just see in their sidebar and it's you know <laughs> here's why liberals suck this, this guy this guy really knows his stuff about music but why is his buddy such a fucking weirdo <laughs> why what does he keep talking about how guns and why no is he taxes? why does he keep talking about how many guns he has <laughs> is he okay the Jordan Peterson test says he isn't <laughs> All right, um, let's wrap it. Yeah, so make sure to subscribe. Um, yeah, like everything. Uh, if you do like us, if you don't, then dislike us. Yeah, if and, you want to talk um, about us, you can. It's comment section. Yeah, and we respond. That's the yeah. beautiful thing about our channel. Chris responds. We respond. Yes. I don't have a And, password. you know, you go to go to Steven Crowder's channel. Go to yeah. Joe Rogan's channel. Comment on their videos. Will they respond? No, they're not going to respond. Yeah. Uh, comment on Mountain Meditations. See me uh, in the streets, will Chris Crowder. respond? Yes. Don't, don't, don't. I will 100% respond. Yeah. So that's why we're better than them. And uh, that's what we're going to close with. See better you guys content, next time. Better content, better production value. Better looking. Better look. Uh, better hair. Let's just say that. I cut most um, of mine off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, not Canadian. We're not Canadian. Bye. Bye. <laughs>